Oh, somebody says, let's say this together, our Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There's no confusion. There's no contradiction in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves. And you, your name alone, is glorified. And we Amen. Alright, let there be light. Genesis 1, verse 1. Since in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. I think this is the seventh session. Right? Sixth or seventh session? I don't know. It says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, we said from Moses' explanation that heaven was used to explain God. When you see the word heaven, I'm going to teach you something. We're going to have a series two, not this year. Maybe quite some years to come, or maybe if we, if we are fast in our progression of Bible study, we're going to have a series too. By then, I should have taught you the supernatural world. Are you getting what I'm saying? Supernatural being supernatural world. Then we'll revisit. We're going to revisit this Genesis 1 and look at this Genesis 1, 2, 3 in the supernatural world context. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, we're going to definitely have a part 2. So, this Legend be Light Series 1. We're going to do Legend be Light Series 2. And series two is that we're going to look at it in a supernatural world context. Are you getting what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So don't worry, we'll get there, but not now. So we'll now look at, you know, we've explained gardening, obeying all of those things. We're not going to look at, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the garden in the context of the supernatural world. Then that's when we'll see Adam in his priestly nature. We'll see man, the form, the real identity of man. In the garden, we will see that we will look at the garden and we will see that that garden is a space, God's space. We will see that we will look at the garden as God's space. We will see, we will, we will, we will change. It's, it's not like it's not like we are changing this teaching. No, we are not changing it. We are only expanding our knowledge on the supernatural world context. We're going to get there, but not not in this series. We're going to get there when we want to do series two. But by then, I should have taught you. We would have started studying what the supernatural world context is all about. Do you get it? So, I, I believe we are progressing in Bible study, right? Yes, and yeah. It's making sense. So, when you see the word God, or heaven, sorry, heaven was used to explain God, that is the spirit of God, his words, his actions, light. Why the term earth is used to explain man. So, when you see heaven, you will know, okay, this is God. When you see earth, you say man. Are you seeing it? So, so when you see in the beginning God created heaven and earth, so when I start teaching the supernatural world context now, this will make more sense. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, so, um, so the statement darkness was upon the face of the deep, like I've always told to said to us, it is used to explain the state of a man without the spirit of God. Also, the phrase without form and void was used to further explain the state of a man. It's like saying they were handy. It was like an additional statement used to, used to explain the 
uh, state of a man without the Spirit of God. And we now said uh, light was what God said, and the term darkness without a free, so we, uh, darkness without form and void will be found in the heart of man without the Spirit of God. So that shows to us that, like I've always told us, Genesis is very pivotal in our study. And we need to get it right from Genesis. So how did the New Testament, one of the things, one of the places we stopped is how did the New Testament explain these things to us? Look at it in Luke 24, verse 25 to 46. Luke 24, verse 25 to 46. How did the New Testament explain? Because we stay on the Old Testament. Luke 24, verse 25 to 26. It says, then he said to them, all fools are slow about. Uh, so we are looking at how um, the New Testament writers and the epistles, how they explain it. So it's also all fools are slow about to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You look at it in verse 44, he says that. And he said to them, These are the words which I speak unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. You read in verse 45, Then he opened their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. In verse 46, And he said to them, Thus it is written, And he behold Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and remission of sin should be preached from his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So you so you observe something that I've always told us over the years that Genesis to Malachi is what is called the scriptures. So and he said to them that the things which are written, uh the words I spoke with you when I was with you must be fulfilled. So in other words, Jesus before his death and his resurrection taught them the same truth that is from Genesis to Malachi, and he told them that these things must be fulfilled. You read look at how Matthew intended intend this conversation. Let's look at Matthew 13 verse 34. <clears throat> Matthew 13 34. Amen. Matthew 13 verse 34. It says, And all these things, Jesus speak unto the multitude in the parable, and without the parable speaking not unto them. And verse 35, that they might be fulfilled, which was spoken on the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in the parable, and I will utter the things which I have kept secret from the foundations of the world. Jesus said, I will open my mouth in the parable. Now, the word parable is from, translated from the Greek word parabole, P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E, parabole, which implies a parable, a comparison. And the word parabole is a noun. It's another word. Parabalo, P-A-R-A-B-A-L-L-O, which is a verb, <clears throat> and only use, uh, only Luke was the writer that taught with that word and used the word in the New Testament Greek, and it was used in uh, Acts 20 verse 15, when it says we arrived at Samos, Acts 20 verse 15, that word we arrived at Samos, from the Greek word parabol. Parabalu, and it actually means we crossed over to Salmon. That is, we crossed over. So when, so in essence, when you see the word parabole, it's 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 it implies to cross over. So that is to teach or to explain reality with the use of illustration. So when I'm using parables, 
I'm using illustrations to explain um, the realities. Like say, I want to explain what an aeroplane means and I'm actually using a pictorial picture to explain aeroplane. Now you get what I'm saying. It's just like how we do PowerPoint in our today's world and we use pictorial things to explain and say, okay, this is this, is this then you now have an idea of it. In their world, they used parables and it's like a crossover to teach and explain reality with scriptures or with illustrations. So the statement, I will open my mouth in parables and we all have things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. That implies that the book of Genesis contains parables. Are you getting what I'm saying? Genesis contains parables. So, so when you see, so it's just like it, we just read this um, at uh, Matthew 13, verse 34. It says, I will open my mouth in parables, right? So that means that it says, I will offer things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I beg you, I want you to pay attention to this. So that would mean that the book of Genesis would contain parables. That shows that there will be illustrations. There will be things, pictorial, pictorial description of stuffs. Just like we will see, see, when we start studying, maybe when we start studying the supernatural world, or maybe when we start studying, when we get further, we'll look at the we'll look at the creation story again. Like the sun, the moon, the star, all of these things that you create they created, and you are looking at it and you're wondering, okay, on the seventh day, on the second day, on the this, then look at another thing. You see, on the seventh day, they say the Lord rested. And his rest means, let me tell you one thing about rest. His rest means he began work. The work began. So, in his rest, it means that I just have started working. It doesn't mean that he is sleeping in his rest. So, if you read Genesis and most of the Old Testament accounts, you will see that there's a lot of parables in the descriptions. So that's why in the synoptic gospel, you will see the word before the foundation of the world. You see, the, you see that word used, before the foundation of the world. Uh, before the foundation. So in, in, synoptic, in, in the synoptic account, you see in Matthew 25, verse 34, where it says, before the foundation of the world. I think, I think my pastor explained this to us, right? That foundation of the world thing. I'm not going to touch it, but just going to look at it. Look at uh, Matthew 25, verse 34. Uh, it says, Then shall the king say unto them, Come right now, come ye be blessed of, of my father. Hearing the king God prepared of you from the foundation of the world. Luke 11, 50. You see the word from the foundation of the world. John 17, 24. You see before the foundation of the world again. Also in the epistles, Ephesians 1, verse 4. You see, before the foundation of the world, Hebrews 4, verse 3, 1 Peter 1, 20, Revelation 13, verse 8. You see that statement before the foundation of the world and all of those things there. So that will show to us that if you read in that Matthew 13 now, verse 34 to 35, where it says, This might be fulfilled, which the prophet said, I will open my mouth in parables, and we offer things which thou hast kept secret from the foundations of the world. Now that's as earlier explained that. In Moses' vocabulary, in the first five books, they include parables. So that would mean that when you want to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the Taonomi, what are things you are going to find there? Parables. 
Are you seeing it, guys? Guys, are you understanding it? Now, what did I say parables is? Parables, don't worry, when we are looking at maybe spiritual growth series 2, we're going to look at some parables of the, uh, all this talent, lost coin. We're going to look at those uh, things again. And we're going to study it. Now, so, as I said, what do parables means? A crossover, right? That is, you are going to use, you are going to teach or explain a reality with the use of illustrations. And that's what Moses did. So, you will see, so that means that he used illustrations like the garden. What happened in the garden? He used illustrations like that to explain something. Are you seeing it? So, that shows to us that those things are written in parables and we just have to pay attention. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, we just have to pay attention to them. So, in essence, when Jesus and uh, so, like I said, in Moses' writing, Moses employed the use of illustrations, right? Imageries, figures of speech to explain God's promise, which should be fulfilled in Jesus' resurrection. I'll come again. Moses employed the use of illustrations, imageries, figures of speech to explain God's promise, which should be fulfilled in Jesus' resurrection. Moses employed the use of illustrations, imageries, figures of speech to explain God's promise which should be fulfilled in Jesus' resurrection. So in essence, when Jesus in the synoptic account and in the apostles fought with their explanation where the Holy Scripture that is Genesis to apply uh, a lot of those, when you read Genesis 1, 1 to 3 and all of those things, the teachings of Jesus in the synoptic letter were there. So now, Look at in 1 John 1 to 3, which we've always been in this series. 1 John 1 3. 1 John 1 3. 1 John 1 3. 1 John 1. John 1. Are you there? Yeah. Sure. Since that which we have seen and heard. Declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And this thing write me unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message that we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He now says, uh, if you read in verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness with light, and do not the truth. You know, says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. Now, if you want to, if you want to understand this in context, we have to start from verse one, where it says, "That which we have seen from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life." Now. So when he says the found the word of life, now that word of life refers to the gospel. When he says the word of life, that is a statement that refers to the gospel. That's why he said that which we have heard. Are you getting it now? That refers to the gospel. Now look at in verse 3. That says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witnesses, and show unto you that the eternal life which was with the Father. I was manifested unto us. In verse 10, that says, That which we have seen 
and earth declare we unto you that we also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and his son jesus christ so that will mean that that which that was so john was explaining here that what was with the father is eternal life and that life is a person life is in a person so john was implying that when the gospel is being preached will make available the father and his son jesus to the recipient so when i'm preaching the gospel so when you and i we are preaching the gospel today what is happening we are making the father and the son and jesus available we are to the recipient so what so when you and i start to preach before a sinner what is going on is that you and i we are having a conversation and making available the father and the son jesus to the person to the person we are preaching to so when he says it, if you read in uh, look at in look at first john 5 just flip your page to first john 5 11 to 13. first john 5 11 to 13 he says that uh and this is the record that god has given to us eternal life and life is in his son and either hath the son at life and either at not the son of god hath not life so if you read the verse this is written to you that if you believe in the name of the son of god that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of god so therefore now look at look at this carefully so I, I want all of you to look at me the preaching of the gospel can be called a fellowship. The preaching of the gospel can also be called a fellowship. So that this, the preacher is making available what he has been given, which is eternal life. What is happening is that the preacher is making available what he has been given, which is eternal life. So, so now, so if you read, so if you go back to that first John 1 verse 3, he's explaining further to us and say, that which we have seen, just flip back to that first John 1 verse 3, where it says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, and ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly the fellowship is with the Father, the Son Jesus. So that's to let you know that he's giving us, um, He's giving us something, and he spoke about two categories of people, that is, that he may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus. So the first group of people are those who do not have eternal life, and first, those that do, do not have fellowship with the Father. So the second group refers to those that, who have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and their believers, and they have eternal life. And that includes John himself. That's why he used the word fellowship. When he says, uh, he says that we may have fellowship. The word fellowship is the word koinonia, as you know. And that word koinonia is, the, is derived from the word koinos. K-O-I-N-O-S. Koinos, which means common. <coughs> which means common. And koinos means it is available to everyone. Whereas koinonia means the act of making something available. Koinos means it is available to everyone. 
why koinonia means the act of making something available to everyone. Now, if we study further, we can see references of koinonia. We can see references of koinonia in some in somewhere like Second Corinthians thirteen verse fourteen, where it says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. So having seen that, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will mean that the Holy Spirit is available to everybody. Are you seeing it? So now, if you read also in Acts 2 verse 42, where it says, and the continuous step passage, the apostle board doctrine and fellowship, right? And in the breaking of bread. Now don't forget we are looking at uh, reference of koinonia. What does koinonia means? The act of making something available, right? What is koinos? It means it is available to everybody, right? Okay. So, in, in Acts 2 verse 42, where it says, they continued in the, in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship with and breaking of bread and in prayers. That means everybody was together and available. That's why he gave them an example of selling things. You read in Acts 2, 44 to 46, where they sold things and all of those things. You also see another example in where it was used in Romans 15 verse 26. Where it says a certain contribution, a certain contribution. That word contribution is from the Greek word koinonia, and the word fellowship there is the word contribution. You also see First Corinthians one verse nine, where it says God is faithful, where He has called us unto fellowship of His Son. First Corinthians one nine, and that implies to us that what is available to us in the Son Jesus. Is what God has contributed to us in Christ in the Son. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, since this cup is the blessing which we bless, and it is not the communion of the blood, is, is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus Christ? And our communion there is from the Greek word again, koinonia, which in context and all of those things. You also see in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, where it says, Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, what fellowship? As righteousness with unrighteousness, uh, righteousness with unrighteousness, uh, communion, right? Uh, what communion and light with darkness? So, is it what contribution with, 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 with righteousness and unrighteousness uh, happen and all of those things? And so, Paul talks with the word koinonia in the second letter. You see, you also see Second Corinthians 8, verse 4. I think we should look at our Second Corinthians 8, verse 4, where it says. Fellowship of the ministry of saints. You also see in 2 Corinthians 9.13. I'm just giving you places where it was used. 2 Corinthians 9.13. Uh, you see Galatians 2.9. Um, Philippians 1 verse 5. For your fellowship with the gospel. Philippians 2.1. Even the writer of Hebrews used it. Where it says. Hebrews 13 verse 16. Where it says. But do good to communicate. Do good and. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. That word communicate is translated for the word fellowship. So it is evident that the writer starts with the word fellowship, right? And there is a contribution and there is also a receiving. So fellowship means to make available. Therefore, the word fellowship does not imply that two parties are putting things. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry things together so one party is making something available for the other party and this implies that one party gives the other party and to receive and all of those things so in other in other words uh in our fellowship with the father and the son we partake 
by receiving. Our, our relationship with God is that He is our Father and we are His children. So God is our Father, we are His children, right? And so let's go back to our first John. In our first John 1 verse 4, it now says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. It now says, And this then is the message we have heard of him. I will declare unto you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So, uh, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. So, if you, if you look at the word uh, in verse 4, where it says, This things we write unto you. That word you, it's, it's, it's a text that refers to those who have received eternal life because it was audience specific. Don't forget, it was writing to believers and all of those things. And it was, it was, this is I write to you. So, now when it says, I write to you now, it's audience specific in the sense that those who have received eternal life, those who have fellowship with the Father, and this is in accordance to what it says. That's why you read in 1 John 2, verse 7. Look at 1 John 2, 7, where it says, Brethren, I write unto you no new commandment. It says, I write no new commandment unto you. You see, object uh, specific. But an old commandment, which is from the beginning, that you have seen from the beginning and all of those things. So, and you refer to them as brethren. And the word brethren is the word Adolphos. A-D-E-L-P-H-O-S. Adolphos. And it implies from same womb. Same womb. It means, when it says brethren, it means, you know, all of us now in church today, we are brethren. Uh, why are we brethren? We are born from the same womb. What womb? The womb of the resurrection. Hallelujah. The womb of the resurrection. That's where we are born from. We are born from the womb of the resurrection. And the womb is often to explain birth source and what brethren implies one who came from the same parents so you and i now we are brothers and sisters we are from the same womb because we believe the gospel so that's why he can tell us that um if this is the message i've written unto you and so that is now in essence if you read from verse 5 to verse 7 where it says uh this is the message which we have heard of him and to declare unto you that god is light and in him there is no darkness at all and if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And in other if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sins. So, in essence, everyone who has believed the gospel in the cleansing of our sins and everything has received eternal life. So, anyone who has believed the gospel has received eternal life. The light, the sun. So those are, and we are all referred to as brethren from the same womb. So if we preach the gospel today and somebody is saying, just know that you are that person, you are now brothers and sisters. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are the person, you are now from the same family. You are the person, you are now brethren. And so that's what John thought as light. Are you seeing it? So so if you want to understand light now in the context of the new the epistles now, light will mean that I've preached to you, you are now now in the light. Are you seeing it? Yeah. I've preached to you, you are born again now, you are now in the same kingdom, and that kingdom is the kingdom of light. So in essence, John taught what we receive in salvation 
is light and not darkness. So what you and I, so what was John teaching us? John was teaching us that what you and I receive that salvation, we receive light and not darkness. Does it make sense? Yes, sir. Does it make sense? Yes, sir. So if you want to, so you know, we look look at something. Look at me, everybody. Everybody, look at me. Everybody, look at me. Now, see, you know, we we studied light now in the context of Genesis, right? All through in this series. Now we are looking at the New Testament, right? Look at me. Pay attention. We are now looking at the New Testament and seeing what light means. So what was John teaching us? I was trying to explain to you that what John was teaching us as touching what the light means, means that what you and I received in salvation is called light. So you can summarize that everything you got the day you got born again is light and not darkness. Hallelujah. So if I preach to somebody today, what has happened? He has received light. Are you seeing it? So that statement where Jesus said, where God said, let there be light. Are you seeing that? It is still happening today. When we preach the gospel, the light is still shining in their hearts. Are you seeing it now? So another vital question we we'll ask also is, what does darkness mean? What does it mean when it says, you walk in darkness? Now we'll go to our popular John 8 verse 12. Right? Why do I say popular? I think we are used to that scripture in this church. John 8 verse 12. Mm. What, what does it mean to let's look at what what the how what what, is, what does the, what darkness means now in the New Testament? I've given you shades of it in this series, right? Mm. But now now looking at we are now more focused on New Testament and how the New Testament writers explain it. Because one thing, let, let look at me in Bible study, right? You must be wholesome. You must be able to navigate people from the old and new. You must be able to encompass the entire 66. That alone leaves people with no question. Are you getting me? You must be very wholesome in Bible study. Very, very wholesome. That's how to have a proper Bible study. Such that you are wholesome. You are very rich in your study. Now look at John 8 verse 12. We're, we're asking a question on what does he mean but to walk in darkness? John in verse 12, he says, And Jesus again spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but what? Shall have the light of life. So now, look at some people. Let's read from Genesis 1. John, not Genesis 1. John 1 verse 1. Let's start from John 1. So now you can understand what John said in this John 8 12. Because that is where it started. Let's look at John 1 verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything that was made. That was made. It now says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. It now says, uh, There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, the same came for a witness to bear the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him look at they are using the word light now and that says that all men through him don't forget they started using the word light from the very beginning it says the light shall that in fact they started using the word light even in verse 4 it says he knew was life and the life was the light of men so you see so when it now says in verse 8 it was not the light it was said to bear witness of the light in verse 9 
That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. I've always told you, when you want to study the Bible, ensure you start from the very beginning. So that shows that if you did not understand what John was saying now in verse 1, in this chapter 1 now, on uh, I am uh, on, uh, on, on the statement on the context of light now, when you get to chapter 8, where it now says that uh, at the light of the world, he that followed me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You will not get it. Are you seeing it? You will get it. Because John was clearly explaining Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3 here. In this John 1 verse 1 to 9 that we just read, John was clearly, let me tell you, he was clearly explaining Genesis 1, 1 to 3, that we started with. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and all of those things. That word light, now let me explain it to you. That word light is from the Greek word phos, P-H-O-S. P-O-H-O-S. That's the word light. And it implies a source of illumination. A source of illumination itself. In other words, Jesus does not receive light. The light is a source of illumination. Notice something in verse 6. Notice something John did in verse 6. He says there was a man sent from God and his name was... And he says there was a man sent from God his name was John. But look at what he now says in verse 7. He now says, The same came to bear witness of the light that all men might receive. But he now says, He is not the light. Are you seeing it? And what did we say light means? False, right, in the Greek. And it implies what? A source of belief. So when he says, He was not the light. So that means, we can simply say, John the Baptist cannot be the source of the illumination. Guys, yes, sir. Ah, you guys are sleeping. Yes, sir. <laughs> you guys are sleeping. Yes, sir. If you are sleeping, start up. This is very, very key. You need to understand this. So, the word light, like I said, is false and it means a source of illumination itself. Something that, that's like saying, it has its own source of illumination. So when it says John the Baptist is to bear, it says they will, it says I came in verse when it says he was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now look at John 5 verse 35. Look at John 5 35 quickly. John 5 35. John 5 35. Look at something he says. He says. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. He now says, But I have greater witness than this. I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me to do. And if you read the verse 37, that says, And the Father himself, which has sent me, Above witness of me, and you have heard his voice at any time. You have never neither heard his voice at any time, nor see his shape. He used the word light. And the word light, another way the word let's let's look at another way the word light can be translated into. Now we can say another Greek word for light. Another Greek word for light is Lucius. L U C 
Lusnos, L-U-C-H-N-O-S, L-U-C-H-N-O-S. It implies a lampstand. That is, that we should put the lamp upon. So in essence, Jesus was explaining here in this statement and saying that he described himself as a burning and a shining light. Just like saying, um, like this speaker here, how this has a, a what do they call it now? Uh, what do we put this speaker upon now? Uh, a tripod, right? And a, a, stamp, a lamp is on it or something. So Jesus was describing himself as a burning and a shining lampstand. So John called himself. Now look at what John did. John also called himself. Now we are looking at John the Baptist now. John called John the Baptist called himself uh, was called the greatest prophets, the greatest of the prophets by Jesus in Matthew eleven because of the revelation of Christ that he revealed to the Jews. So why was if somebody asked you why was John the Baptist called the greatest prophet? He let me tell you what he revealed Christ to the Jews. Yet John the Baptist was described as a lampstand. That's why it says he was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. Are you are you are you 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 will get it tomorrow now? Look at Second Peter one verse nine, nineteen. Second Peter one nineteen. Go there quickly. Second Peter one nineteen. He says, "We have a sure more word. We have a sure word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take it as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts." When you use the word light here, we already said loose knots, right? And it implies to a lamp. Now, when it says a mush, now let's look at the word, let's, let's take this word in context now. When it says a more sure word of prophecy, that word more sure is translated from the word bibios, B-E-B-A-I-O-S, B-E-B-A-I-O-S. And it replies that which is established or ratified. That means that they were eyewitness of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus. Or they were eyewitness that is that which is established or ratified. That means that when it says we have a more sure word, like, ah, this thing in Yoruba, they will say, oh, damn, you like, I'm so sure. I'm very, very sure of this, you know. Uh, so what is it? We have a sure, a more sure word of prophecy. That word prophecy is from the Greek word prophetikon in the Greek, and it refers to utterances of the prophet. You see, uh, you see where it was used, a place it was used in Romans 16, 26. That word prophecy there. Where it says, knowing this, don't forget we are we are looking at first with that word verse 90, where it says we have a sure more word of prophecy. I would say that sure word is something that is establishes, rectified. I would say prophecies, that word prophetic on and it's, it means the utterances of the prophets. Uh, we can see that in Romans 16 verse 26. Also, <clears throat> now Peter says, so Peter will say the utterances of the prophets were written or documented by the scriptures and all of those things. Now when he says, uh, 
Look at the Rabbis 90, we say we have a sure more word of prophecy. We all to ye do well that ye faithful as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day star and the unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So So, when he says shineth in a dark place, so when he use the word shineth now, is from the Greek word phino, P H A I N O, which refers to imagine appearance. Imagine appearance. Phino. Imagine appearance. So, don't forget, we're looking at John the Baptist before. We said John the Baptist came to bear witness of the light. And it was for a period, Abby. Yes, and we said each prophet had a period. Now, each prophet also had a period that their lampstand was used. Like say, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they had a period where their lampstand was used. So John was just like every other prophet, right? He, he had, it's like saying, John... It's like saying, this is John's time to prophesy and to speak about the Messiah, right? This was John's, let me say, John's regime or John's tenor to speak and to bear witness of the light. So when, it's, so when he used that word in, in, um, in, in John, it's, it's, it's a burning lamp. It's a burning lamp for a season. So when he says for a season, it's something that is definitely a timeline burning something that is consuming so we are still in this our second pillar one verse 19 where it says we have a sure more word of prophecy we are on to you do well look at look at what peter says he says we are on to you do well to take it as unto a light that shineth in that place that was shining is from the Greek of fire and it implies imagine appearance and Peter implied that the utterances of the prophets were progressive. That is, what the prophets were saying was like a was a gradual link up. Like saying, okay, 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 it's making sense. It's making sense till they reach a point. So that word dark, it says that unto shineth in a dark place. That word dark is from the word archmeros. Archmeros. A U C H M E R O S. Archmeros. A-U-C-H-M-E-R-O-S and it means obscurity, that is complete darkness, obscurity. So now notice the phrase, it says, as unto a light. So when it says as unto, it's, it occurs that that word shineth shows a figure of speech. And that figure of speech, look at them, when it says, as unto a light. Simile. That's smart. Uh-huh. That's smart. That's good. Simile. So that's a simile. So it says as unto a as unto a light, light that shineth in dark places. So in other words, Peter likens the utterance of the prophets to a light shining on obscurity. So that is the, the, the revelation of Christ was progressive. And Peter said, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. 
So it's like it's a progressive. When you use the word done, done is from the Greek word di, diaguzu. D-I diaguzu. Diaguzu. Diagazu. Something like that. Diagazu. D-I-A-U-G-A-Z-O. D-I-A-U-G-A-Z-O. And it refers to light true shadows. Light true shadows. When you use the word done, I'm explaining the word done now. So Peter described it as day done because it was amidst shadows. Now, why, 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 is, why, why is there amidst shadows? So you see that. I don't know if you notice that. When you read the Old Testament, it's quite complicated. Yes, Guys, are you seeing? Now, and that's because the revelation of Christ was progressive and it seemed to be amidst a lot of shadows. So you have to, it's like saying, panebit your way around it to find out what Christ is saying. So, so he says, unto uh, the day dawn, and, the word and is from the Greek word kai, and it can be implied as conjunction or an explanation to describe something. It's, and most times it's determined by the context, actually. And uh, sometimes it can be used as explanatory. Uh, that is to say, the day start describes the day dawn. So we can we can safely we can safely say we can read this place now and say until the day's dawn wishes right we can use that right because we we, we understand the carol of hand you know says the day dawn wishes the day star arises in your heart so when you use the word star that word star is from the word pause pause pause. Mm. Let me just spell it. P H O S P H O R O S P H O S P H O R O S. Look how I pronounce it. Yeah, using chemistry to pronounce it. You are using chemistry. So it's a kukuruku. I don't know what I hate. Kukuruku. People is like whatever. People is like people is like whatever. People is like whatever. I want to go and sleep. It refers to light itself. It refers to light. It refers to light itself, and it refers to what is self-illuminating. Light, it lights itself and sometimes it's self-illuminating. So in essence, Peter was describing the progressive nature of the truth, that is the light communicated by the prophets of the Old Testament, which is consistent through the prophets. And so that shows that, now look at me guys, look at me, I want to explain something. So it shows that the prophets of the Old Testament were explaining one thing, but it got clearer as the age evolved. It's still getting clearer to us too, even in our world today. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the, it's, it got clearer. It became clearer through the ages. So, until the day dawn, which is the day star, arises in your heart, implies that today, the truth is fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So, as the years progress, uh, 
So I take that back when I say it's still being reviewed today. No, it's already reviewed in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? It's already reviewed in Christ Jesus, but uh, the prophets, the prophets kept having progressive revelations of those things. So we have the revelation of Christ Jesus, and it's given to us through the apostolic letters. Uh, if you read the first um, Corinthians two thirteen, let's go there. First Corinthians two thirteen. Are you enjoying this? Yes, it's like I did one last time. Let's go just to the team. Don't forget, we're still we're still going back to our journey to. Verse one, just two thirty. It says, "Which things also we speak, not in words, which is man, which man wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually deserved. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judge of no man." In verse sixteen, that says. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He now says, But we what? Have the mind of Christ. If you read Ephesians 2, verse 22, it says, We are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being our chief cornerstone. If you read Ephesians 3, 1 to 3, it says, uh, Our revelation, we have known my history and all of those things. So now let's go back to our John 5 before we go back to John 8. Let's go back to our John 5 before we go back to John 8. You've already seen how Peter explained light shining in a dark place, which is the day star, the day star, which is the day dawn, or the day star, which arises in our heart. Hallelujah. Now look at John 5, verse 35. John 5, verse 35. Don't forget, we're trying to explain the light and the darkness in the reality of the New Testament, right? Testament. So we're saying let there be light in the New Testament. So like I said again, if you want to teach God's word, you must be wholesome, right? Yes, sir. You, just, you don't just stay in one pot. You must walk through the entire Bible. So you see how we just explained a couple of minutes ago that we said that what we receive in salvation now can be described as what? Light. So that shows that when I preach to an unbeliever, I have given him what? Light. Are you seeing it now? And he has received the word light. So now look at in John 5 verse 35. He says, It was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. For I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father has given to me to finish, the same works that I do, and bear witness of, of me that the Father has sent me. So in essence, John explained that he is the light. Why Jesus, sorry, not John. Now, Jesus explained here that he is the light. Why John the Baptist and other prophet of God who bear witness of him is the lampstand. Are you getting it? Okay. So, when he says the word burning and a shining light here, that word burning is from the word kaimenos. Kaimenos, K A I M E N O S. K A I M E N O S. Kaimenos, the word burning, it implies which is consuming. The word, uh, when it says burning for a light and you are willing for a season, that word season is from the Greek word horan, H O R A N, H O R A N, and it implies a definite period 
or a thine light. So John's, so that means that John's witness of the light that this Christ now was for a period. So each prophet had their own period. Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, uh, Ezekiel, Malachi, Obadiah, they had their own period. And so John was just like every other prophet of the Old Testament also, who bore witness of the light. Christ Jesus, which was his season. So now, if you now read in that John 1 verse 6, go to John 1 verse 6, it will make sense now. John 1 verse 6, where it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And that says, The same was come to, to witness, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men might believe. So can we say he did the work that Isaiah did? Can we say that? Yes, sir. Can we say that uh, John the Baptist did the work that Jeremiah did too? Yes, sir. It's, it's, so it's the same thing. So in other words, John was a prophet. He's a lampstand or a lantern. Let me use the word lantern like to just shed light, to make people come to see it. You know, when a light is, just like saying there's darkness in so many in a place and you just put a light somewhere, you know, you'll be attracted to go to that light. That's exactly what's happened. So, so John made that decision very clear that John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus Christ he made that decision very clear because a lot of because in fact even in our today's world we still have people who still equate Jesus to and John the Baptist that they are they are even cousins uh, they you know some stupid things like that so let's go back to our John eight verse twelve where it says and Jesus speak to them and let me see if I can start to close here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, it's like, I ain't believing that. Are you guys falling for that? <laughs> yeah, yo. <laughs> I feel like he's sleeping. <laughs> John in the show, he says, Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall do what? Have the, the light of life. So when it says, but shall have, it clearly refers to, when it says, he that walk, it says, he that follow me shall not walk in darkness. That will walk has nothing, it has to do with having. Having, in other words, the walk. So when he says, just like saying, um, if you read, look, you go to Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. Let's see how Paul explains something there. Go to Romans 8. Let's see how Paul explains what. Romans 8, verse 1. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which shall encourage Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. But what the law could not do, he that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin condemns sin in the flesh. It now says um, in verse 3, for what the law could not do, he that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemns sin in the flesh and all of those things. You read verse 4, that says, that the writers of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, the word walk, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you read from verse 5 to 9 also, you will see walk not after the flesh, walk after the spirit. You will see 
that um, statement used there. And um, you also see in 1 John 1 verse 6 where it says, if we say we have, we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, that one walk. You also see in verse 7, 1 John 1 verse 6 to 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we walk, he used the word walk. So he says, if we, he says, if we walk. Now don't forget, we're looking at how John explained this. So we've not gotten to Paul yet. We're looking at how John, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, explain this light at all. Because we're picking the, this right. Let's go to that first John. Well, maybe we'll look at John today. And uh, probably we'll look at Peter and Paul. We went with Paul anyway. I, I like Paul, so Paul is sweeter. Right, we'll just uh, call it a series. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I think this series is quite long, right? I think it is, it's, a, it's a good one. Uh, so we we'll look. So I think we'll just look out. Look at that. Go back to that first John one verse six. That I think we'll call it a, a, a an evening this evening. Or this morning, <laughs> this early morning, amen. All right, look at it. it says, if we say we we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ is son cleanseth us from all sins. You know, so that shows that, uh, I we say the walk, right? So the message that was brought to them was that God is light. And they will walk in the light by accepting the message of Christ. So what is John explaining to us? That the message that he preached or was brought to the guys that he's talking to here was that the message is light. And if you believe the message, you walk in the light. So therefore, what was brought to them via the gospel, uh, via the gospel was fellowship with the Father and faith in the same. And we receive eternal life. And eternal life will mean light, right? Eternal life can mean light. Eternal life can mean the Son, that is Christ Jesus. So now, as, as I close now, it will mean that John explained light as the state of a man who has believed the gospel. So that would mean that if you want to understand what light really means, you can see light in the context of a man who has believed the gospel. So we can say a man who has believed the gospel is light. Say I am light. I am light. You're not saying like you mean I am light. Light. So, a man who has believed the gospel is light and he has eternal life and darkness will refer to a man who has not believed the gospel. So, in essence, if you read John 1 verse 1 to 3, Moses' explanation of uh, Moses' explanation in Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3 when he says, it suffices for us to say that light and darkness in Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3 was to bear witness of Christ. So that is now what John was explaining here was that the state of a man without Christ is darkness and also God's plan 
to save man, which he further taught as commanding light to shine out of darkness. It's so it's so it shows to us that when you and I read Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3, you are now seeing God's plan. So what was Jesus, what was God doing in Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3 by commanding the light to shine out of darkness? When we get to Paul's explanation, it's going to make sense. Is that he was giving it was his plan to save man. So that would mean that light firstly means to explain God. So if you want to if you want to understand light, you have to see light in God. Because don't forget, the scripture told us that in him there is light and there is no darkness at all, right? So that shows that God is light. Are you getting what I'm saying? So light firstly explains God. Light explains God. Light explains his words. Light explains his promise. Light explains the spirit of God. And light is also the state of a man who has believed the gospel. So are you saying that it is multi multidimensional? Yes, sir. Light explains God. I'll come again. Light explains his, his words. Light explains his promise. Light explains the spirit of God. And light also explains the state of a man who has believed the gospel. So, that means the person has eternal life, he has received the spirit. Why darkness explains the state of a man who has not believed the gospel. That's darkness. So, as we study the scripture further, and we look through what was taught in God's word, we will see how that light and darkness are, are used to explain God's word. So we said light is used to explain his word, right? His promise, his spirit, right? His words, the spirit of God, right? And the state of a man who has believed the gospel. So if you understand and see, so when you want to read the scriptures and you see light, are you seeing how you get it right? Is it in God? Is it for the person who has believed the gospel, right? Is it, is it also a lampstand? Is it a spirit? Are you getting what I'm saying? So you will see it in that progression and it's going to help you. Blessed. Yes, sir. Blessed. Yes, sir. Amen. Let's